Uh, my name is Daryl Temple. I'm the pastor of this church, believe it or not. I know I look like I'm 24. It's okay. You don't, it's all right. I know that. But um, I'm really 42. Uh, I co-lead this beautiful congregation with my beautiful wife who was sitting with me on the front row. And uh, today... I've been tasked with starting a new sermon series uh, this morning, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Uh, we're calling this series Christ Our Culture. Christ Our Culture. And I'm sure it kind of speaks for itself, but uh, the big idea of what we're going after is, is the, um, that we as believers are either imitating Christ or we're conforming to culture. And so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, uh, but my uh, second goal for this morning is to get you and I um, kind of asking ourselves a big question, a question that I ask myself on uh, the daily, um, and that is, am I being more discipled by Jesus or am I being more discipled by culture? Uh, I don't know if I'm wrong in doing that, but that is a question that I ask myself a lot. <laughs> and um, it's, it's good to kind of just assess, right? Uh, and, I, and I like that. I like that when I feel like I'm drifting, right, a bit away from uh, Christ or drifting away from being discipled by my Christian faith. It, it's, it's always a good time to remind myself, hey, what's really forming, what's really making and creating this soul of mine? Is it my Christian faith or is it culture? Uh, I may be, although I think I already gave my age, um, but I may be showing my age. Anyone alive when grunge music, music, excuse me, hit the scene? Anybody here? Grunge music, bands like Nirvana. Uh, okay, a couple of you. <laughs> There's like four of us, praise God. Uh, I was big into the grunge music scene. Um, it, it was a, a breath of fresh air. Before grunge, it seemed like all we had was short hair, Z Calvarici's, and new kids on the block. Uh, yeah, uh, which uh, uh, Michelle was a big fan of, evidently. And, and, then, and then grudge music hit the scene, and it seemed like we grew our hair out. We wore flannels, of which I am gladly sporting one right now. Tara, beautiful flannel. And we, we, we wore Doc Martens. So from Nikes to Docs, from Z Calvarici to flannels, from short hair to long hair. Um, that was kind of what it looked like in my school. It was, it was like... A, a, a quick transformation too. It was like overnight, like my school had just become like, you know, a school where we like watched uh, 90210, you know, and, and would listen to songs like Hanging Tough, you know, and, and, and sporting our guests and, and having our short uh, shaved and trimmed up hair to suddenly just in a day's time looking like Seattle, Washington. Uh, it was quite the phenomena. But you know what some, uh, I noticed um, Personally, just a personal testimony is the impact that this music had on my soul. Um, you know, in addition to all uh, the visible changes that were um, taking place and occurred in my life at that time, there was something underneath that was taking place in my heart. Th this music seemed to awake inside of me a, a rebellious hatred towards authority. I'm not blaming the music. It was probably already there, but prior to it, I was a pretty respectful, you know, close to my parents, kind of quiet, tender-hearted boy. But as I consistently fed and listened to this music, um, some stuff happened. I, I, I pulled away from my family, uh, and in isolating myself, this music seemed to disciple something dark 
within my soul. And uh, I'm sharing this story just because I, I believe that discipleship is just not a Christian thing. Let me read a quick quote by uh, David Roark. He wrote a, an interesting piece. Um, uh, uh, I think he's a pastor of the Village Church in Texas on how culture disciples us. And it doesn't, he doesn't really get into the psychology of his, of, of, of his piece here in this quote, but this is more just like an introduction. I think it hits the tenor or the tone of what I'm, I'm trying to convey in this open part of my um, sermon. He wrote this. We hold a misconception about discipleship that is a, uh, merely a Christian idea, only taking place at weekend worship services, on weeknights in groups, and in the mornings uh, during worship, or evenings when we gather and spend time with the Lord. On, contrary, on the contrary, excuse me, disciple is, discipleship is taking place all around us and in us in every, every day, every way. Whether we realize it or not, we are being shaped and formed by the movies and TV shows we watch, the music, the podcasts, the radio stations we listen to, the books and magazines we read, the social media feeds we skim, and the trips to the mall that we take. Our cultural practices and habits are discipling us either for the good or for the bad. And to that, David, I say amen, <laughs> for sure, without a doubt. Um, unfortunately for me, uh, the realization of what was taking place um, in my heart, the, the kind of not the visible things, but the internal things that were taking place as I was just feeding upon this music, really enjoying it, didn't really come, become clear, excuse me, to me until I became saved. Ain't that a bummer? Don't you wish it was somewhere in the throes? But it was at the time when Jesus revealed and called me to himself and, and saved my soul when I started coming to the realization that this music was doing something more than just changing what I wore. <laughs> and uh, this is my first point that I'd like to make when it comes to uh, being discipled either uh, by your Christian faith or, uh, or worldly discipleship. And this is the first point that I'd like to make. Um, culture has a way of pressuring us to conform to its customs while Christianity invites us to imitate Christ. Now, you, you may have felt some pressure over the last year and a half or so. I know I have as a pastor. Uh, there were so many polarizing things that happen in the world politically, racially, unvaxxed, vaxxed, no mask, mask. I mean, it was just off the hinge, and I'm just only citing a couple. Uh, but Underneath all of that, there was this pressure uh, upon people to make a decision on what side you landed on. <laughs> and I certainly felt uh, that pressure. Uh, <laughs> I felt the pressure from some people in this church uh, when I made certain steps to try to navigate through some things as a pastor. And, and, and maybe I made some mistakes along the way, but nevertheless, there is this underlying pressure to kind of conform to something. There's no, seems to be no middle ground. It doesn't seem as though you can agree with some things and disagree with others. It just seems like you either have to agree with it all or I guess there would be nothing in addition to that. 
And if you didn't, you, you became labeled and, 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 and kind of, you know, just torn at and, and called and emailed. And it, it just, it was a, it's a weird season. I don't believe that we're out of it. But let me point your attention to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and where I'm getting this main point from. Here's Paul the Apostle, one verse. He says this in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. <laughs> oh man, there was some pressure this last year and a half, and I believe it still exists to do just that. You know, you, you had to fall on one side or the other. But Paul comes in and he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and Perfect. You know, Romans chapter 12 is both a warning and a reminder for the church. It reminds us that the world is in rebellion to God. Don't try to conform to it, Christian. It's not going to work. And it warns us not to copy that pattern of rebellion, right? Do not be conformed to this world. Don't copy that pattern of rebellion that God is very much against. But resist it. We talked a little bit about resistant last Sunday. Here's another example of the Bible calling us believers, those who follow Christ, to resist the temptation to conform to the uh, world, if you would. And then you... Match that against what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 2. Here's another verse. Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave up himself for us. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. So you have these two, you know, realities, you know, if you would, or these two kind of choices we're to make as a church, and Paul lays them out in Romans and here in Ephesians, where we can either be conformist, you know, just kind of go along with the program, don't upset anybody, you know, or we can follow true biblical prescriptions, which says be imitators of God. Uh, uh, there was a research study um, done by the Institute of Learning in brain science on the power of learning through imitation. Um, the study was on how infants learn. Uh, you know, I, this is nothing remarkable, of course, but, and my wife tells me this all the time, you know, watch what you do, watch how, what, how you speak, you know, watch how you treat me in front of Abram because one day he's gonna treat me the same way you treat me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's impossible. He's, but it's true. But anyways, this study found how infants learn by imitating vocal, facial, and body movements, as well as actions on objects. They discovered that children are born learning, of course, and imitation is the tool that they use. The research showed that it provides a social-emotional connection between infants and others. Now, when I'm reading this article, I'm immediately thinking of Matthew 18, 1 through 4, which reads this. At that time... The disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him, Christ calling to him a child, he put, Christ put this child on his lap in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see, do you see this, this, this thing, I guess? There's probably a better word than just calling it a thing. But we are invited... Uh, We are welcomed not to conform to Christian values and principles. We are invited. We are welcome to be imitators of them, to see Christ and and really peer into his beauty, his generosity, his forgiveness, his kindness, his compassion, and, and, and look into that. Look into the ways he was those things and then say, I want to imitate that. I want to imitate that. And so really what we're invited into is this, 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 this thing where we, we see things, you know, we see, uh, qualities and characteristics. And you know what I know, uh, this, when it says become like a child, nowhere in me do I want to become like a child. I, I thought the point of Christian faith was to mature and grow up in the things of God. You know, there's something about, Matthew 18 that that almost thinks like almost makes me think that we're kind of going backwards a bit you know like I, I I I look at my son and I'm like there are certain qualities and mannerisms in him that I I I'm not going to learn I'm not going to digress and I'm sure if he was here he'd be like there are certain things in my dad I'm not going to mimic you know I'm not going to he's crazy uh, but 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 there are things about my son that I need to learn. There are, there are qualities and characteristics in Abram that I don't have that I need. And this is what I see mostly in Abram is that he is teachable and he is willing to learn. He is quick to acknowledge when he has done something wrong. And he always says, forgive me, dad. I'm still learning. That's precious, right? But, and it warms your heart. You know, you're like, I want a son like that. You know, like, but it's true. I mean, I can't help but think this is the same posture we need to have with our Heavenly Father. There, there's just something bad and detrimental when we choose to, like, dig our feet in, you know, and just stop learning. And, and Christ says, no, this life as a disciple is a constant uh, learning experience where like children, you need to humble yourself and say, sorry, dad, uh, I, I missed it. Will you forgive me? I'm still learning. Paul gives this exhortation in Ephesians 5.1, right? Be imitators of God as beloved children. Unless you become like a child. That was Jesus's words. So interestingly enough, the word become means to take on certain characteristics of a child, right? Obviously. And, and the example that I have for this is actually in John chapter 6, 67 through 69. If you want to turn there, one last text before we bring this to a close. These lights are hot or either that I'm just like super sweaty. Here in John chapter 6, 67 through 69. Yeah, babe, I will definitely take one of those. Thank you so much. Is it warm outside for some reason? I thought it was fall. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Here is John chapter 6, 67 through 69. 
if you're familiar with the story, Jesus in previous verses had just preached some of the most hardest, I think, sermons he, is, he ever preached in the gospel where he starts talking about drinking of his blood and eating of his flesh. I don't know about you, but if I'm one of Jesus' disciples, I don't know what my response to that would be. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, many disciples, their responses were to leave Jesus, you know? Um, and here, um, Jesus says this, So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? (laughs) And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so there's a bit of a picture here, right? You have the majority of Jesus' disciples leaving him. You know, this picture of like, no, this is too much, Jesus. You've gone too far. And and you have this willingness in Peter's heart to, in this moment, become like a child and humble himself, probably in the throes of not really understanding, probably in his mind saying, Jesus has lost it. (laughs) You know, he's, he's starting to talk weird talk. You know, and he's probably battling, and there are probably other disciples within that 12, that group of 12, they're like, oh my, did he really just say what I think he said? You know, they're all leaving. Maybe we should go with them. But they don't. They beautifully become and take on this posture that we see in Peter. And, and their resolve is like, where else are we going to go, Jesus? We, we've seen so much in your ministry and in your life, to walk away now would be foolish. These words are hard, uh, but, but teach us, God. We're willing to learn. Uh, we're not going to dig our heels in, at, in this moment because you alone have the words of life. Peter remains eager to want to learn. He, he, he remains teachable, even probably in the throes of misunderstanding Jesus. There's, there's something different in the 12 that are in the others that just turn and walk away. And I go to believe it's this becoming like a child that, 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 that Jesus talked about in Matthew 18. You know, the, the one thing that I love about my son is he is so teachable. I, 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 there's part of me that just wants to do um, a children's church or our youth group. You know, I was hanging out with the youth group at, at, at this sporting event that we had. And I can't, I, I just can't get over how easy they are to work with. You know? They, they, no, it's true. Like, they, they, they're like little sponges, and they just have a way of loving you. They're like dogs who never get angry with you, right? You treat them bad. And I'm not, they're not like dogs, but they're just super forgiving and merciful and just eager, so eager to learn. But you know what's so sad is we age. We lose that childlikeness, don't we? We do. We, we lose it. We, 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 we dig our heels in and there's, we get easily offended and it's, it, we become unteachable instead of teachable. And we think we know it all. But with children, they just are so teachable. They're like little sponges absorbing everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure in fathering my son, Abram, there are many ways that I've messed up and have fallen short to be that dad, you know, that perfect dad. 
But man, he is so willing to love me through my shortcomings. And, and not just dismiss me because of them. You're not a good enough father. You can't teach me. You, 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 you're going to teach me, man. You fail in that area. You fail in that. What am I going to learn from you? He doesn't do that. But we as adults, don't we do that? And God is saying, become like a child. Become like a child. Listen, if you're going to take on this, be therefore imitators of God, you're not going to be able to do it apart from becoming a child. Somewhere in you is going to have to stop resisting God. You know? There's something in you is going to say, I don't have it all together, Father. I'm willing to learn many things I don't understand, but teach me, God. And I think that is the first step from coming out of being discipled by culture and becoming a true disciple of Christ. Two people agree. So culture or Christ, really, church, what is it going to be? I, I, I can't help it through prayer this week. I, I just felt like that scripture verse where it says, choose this day whom you will serve. You know? And I, 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 I kind of feel like God is shouting this over the church. Not just this church, but the church, the global body of Christ. It's saying, oh, come out from amongst the world. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will it be God or will it be mammon? And listen, I'm, I'm not shouting because I'm angry. I am a happy guy who has a happy life with a happy wife. And I, I'm not, but oh, if the church could just start being the church and come out from the world and say, oh no, we are following Christ. No matter what the cost. No matter how we're labeled. No matter how people get angry at us and lie about us. Oh, it's, I don't want to be dramatic here. But there is coming a day when the church is going to have to really know whose side she's on. On the Lord's side on the culture side, being a disciple of Christ, an imitator of Christ, or someone who has been conformed and shaped and molded by the world and its systems and its customs. Oh, today, I pray, if for nothing else, you have a moment, so at some point in this message, asking yourself, who am I being discipled by? Who, who am I being discipled by? Who, who, what's shaping me and what's forming me into the image, into the person I am? Is it Christ or is it culture? Oh, I pray that you have that moment, that opportunity to ask yourself that question here in this service, but on Monday and Tuesday and throughout the week, can honestly assess your life and say, 
Oh, whose side am I on? It's that constant question in my life that keeps me walking the straight and narrow. Because I, like everyone else, have the potential to veer off the road and try to take the path of uh, least resistance. <laughs> you know, that wide way that, 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 that so many choose to go, that easy way, that worldly way. And, and I consistently, to walk on the narrow, have to ask myself that question. I have to take an honest assessment of things in my life. I have to have a David moment. Search me and know me, God. See if there be any evil ways inside of me, any ways that displease you, God. Help me, God. I'm here. I'm your disciple. And so as we get on into this sermon series, this is what we're going to be asking ourselves. This is what we're going to be uh, shooting for. We, we, we're shooting to become more sincere disciples of Christ. That's my goal. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for sincerity. I'm looking for a genuineness of faith. Not perfection. And I pray that we as a church will be able to navigate through this next tour three weeks doing just that, hearing God's word preached, praying those hard prayers, and as a result of all of that, becoming more sincere and genuine followers of Christ. Too much of the church just hears and hears and hears and consumes and consumes information and does nothing with it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this season that the church is in, not just this church, but your body, your, your, your church throughout the world. Father, you're coming to your church and you're assessing and looking to see if it's really your house, Lord, just like your son did, God, when he walked into the temple that day and he assessed things and he saw, oh, the church was off the beaten path. And we know what came after that, God. And Lord, it's almost like we're in a, an, another moment like that as a, as a church, God. As the global body, we, uh, we're at another moment where Jesus is coming to the house and, and declaring again, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. But what you've turned it into does not look like me. Father, I pray, God, that you would do that here, God. You would come into this place and overturn the tables of our hearts. Lord, see if there be any ways in us, Lord, that do not reflect your son. And, and, and God, help us. God, I, 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 that's what I'm doing mostly in this prayer. I, I'm asking for help personally as a pastor, and I'm asking for help for this congregation. Lord, we want to come out from the world. We want to be separated and sacred. People of God, we want to be consecrated. 
a holy people. And so God, come, come, shake everything that can be shaken, God. Shake everything, shake the foundation of who we are. The things that we've built this church upon, shake those things, God, in us so that all that remains is Christ. Draw out of us culture and cause us, Lord, to be imitators. Cause us to be imitators, little children who take on the image of their father through imitating the son. Thank you, God, for doing this. We invite you to do this. We're not afraid of it, but we welcome it. In Jesus' name, we pray. You know, I wanted to just provide some time for us as a church to have just a moment of repentance. And you may be thinking, what do I need to repent for? I don't know. But man, for those who feel like there is this pull maybe in, on your heart where you like, you, you know that you've been more a, a disciple of culture than you have Christ, maybe that's the kind of repentance we need to have today. Maybe there are some who feel that pull. You're like, I know, I know in my heart that I've been more discipled by this world than I have my Christian faith. And today, you want to get that right. You just want to lay it there down at the altar and acknowledge it before God and repent for it. I want to invite you up to stand with me. I'll, I'll be praying prayers like this at this altar. So, so I, I, I do I just take two seconds, invite anyone up who wants to repent with me. <laughs> who wants to have a moment of repentance here. Come on up. We're just going to create an altar where cry out to God in repentance. Is this okay? Is it okay for the children of God to repent? Of course it is. Of course it is. Well, we're going to do some business here.